When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everyone, I know you didn't expect to hear from me today, but I wanted to put out this podcast for you because of such a special interview. The Crip staff writer, Adriana Hamaker, had an interview with CEO and founder of Binance, Mr. CZ Zhao. And the conversation was so good that despite the audio quality, we wanted to put this out for you so you can hear from CZ himself about many different topics, including PayPal getting into the crypto space, Binance's investments into DeFi, COVID and crypto, and Binance's volume globally. We just thought that this was so important that if you love crypto and you are paying attention to the space that you needed to hear this conversation. Here is Mr. CZ Zhao, interviewed by Decrypt staff writer, Adrian Hamaker. I won't be back after the show. Just enjoy this conversation, and I'll see you on Monday. So um, let's start off with Binance P2P then, and um, one year after launch, and um, how has it been? How has progress been? I mean, volumes are looking great. Yeah, I think um, the P2P growth is actually going quite well. Um, in terms of absolute, absolute trading volumes, it's much smaller than spot trading, for example. But from a growth perspective, we're seeing double-digit growth, like sometimes even week on week. So it's growing pretty rapidly, and especially over the uh, over the last few months or so. So I think last year alone, uh, over the last 12 months, months or so, um, we have done 44.2 billion US dollars of trading volume on the Binance P2P. Like four days ago, uh, uh, actually five days ago, on October 22nd, we hit an all-time high trading volume of 46 million US dollars in one day. So um, the growth is going, uh, is going quite well. And also compared to other uh, P2P platforms, I think Binance now have a, uh, Binance P2P has a pretty decent um, uh, volume uh, in comparison. So the things are going pretty well. Right. Okay. So that absolute volumes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, why do you think there's been um, such a growth in demand then? Um, I think there's a like there's a number of factors um, for P2P specifically. Uh, name mainly. Um, we see there's very strong demand in regions where banks are not uh, are not servicing the crypto industry. So in in in, play, in in a lot of places in the world today, there are no uh, the traditional financial institutions are somewhat reluctant to work with crypto exchanges directly. And when this happens, people go to P2P to buy crypto. And once they get crypto, then they are they're they're, they're in the crypto ecosystem that they can trade on Binance or somewhere else. Um, so, um, and uh, this, uh, so that's probably the most fundamental one uh, for P2P to even exist. And then um, I think there's a few other reasons we uh, think that contributed to the growth of it. For Binance alone, the Binance P2P uh, platform now supports 100, uh, 100 different uh, payment methods all around the world with uh, 40 different fiat currencies supported. So um, the adding of a new payment method on a P2P platform is very is relatively simpler from a pr- product perspective. The users uh, trans- transacting uh, fiat themselves, and then we hold escrow of the crypto. 
So that's the second reason where we uh, we provide a very secure platform for people to exchange P2P. So we provide the escrow part of it. So it's a it's a it's a fairly secure exchange. And um, third reason maybe that we don't really we we don't charge a fee. So the uh, the uh, whatever price the buyer and seller agrees on, they they trade directly um, uh, among themselves. So we there's no there's no intermediary taking a fee out of the transaction, which is also uh, quite good. And uh, like th- there's a couple other reasons, um, more more macro reasons. Um, crypto is getting a very much increased adoption uh, given the sort of a macroeconomic situation with governments printing a lot of money globally. So uh, people are rushing into crypto, and in many places, um, the fiat currency is devaluating very quickly. And uh, 2020 has not been a very good year. Uh, has been has we have seen a lot of disasters all around the world. So um, that has been pushing uh, a lot of people into cryptocurrency. So um, yeah, I think all of those things help. Um, But I think fundamentally, we see that when banks or regulators don't allow cryptocurrency to be freely bought easily, um, people go to P2P uh, markets. And um, in the P2P markets, actually, there's less data to collect. So that's kind of what we see. Right. Okay. And can you give us some um, one or two specific examples of countries, um, you know, where you've mentioned this this kind of situation? Sure. Um, I like. I mean, um, I try not to mention. Uh, I try not. To, we try not to target specific countries, um, but in regions like um, Latin America is one of the regions where um, we see there's a very strong demand for crypto because most likely the uh, fiat currencies are devaluating quite quickly. Um, Africa is one is is a good example right now. There's political unrest in in a number of countries there, um, and the um, the the traditional financial systems are breaking down. Southeast Asia is also um, uh, is also a very good example. Um, so uh, these are all areas where countries try to ban crypto. And but instead of banning, well, most likely what they're banning is they're they're banning banks from working with cryptocurrency businesses, and what happens is that then people use P2P trading. So that's usually what happens. Right. So what, um, can you name any countries where I mean this is particularly happening, like banning banks, or are you not really able to? Well, so for example, India India is one of those uh, clear examples where the there's there's a lot of talk about ban. There was a ban, but there was a ban. Um, well, there was a logical ban issued by the central central bank, and then there was a court ruling uh, going against it. And then some banks were open, but now so it's kind of back and forth. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of um, uh, uh, difficulties in using a bank to buy uh, to transfer money to buy Bitcoin, and then uh, so then people uh, so most exchanges, uh, for example, in India are not able to get a bank account working very well, and the P2P market flourish. Right. Okay. Do you have any yeah. specific figures for India for Binance? Um, I don't have them. Uh, I so I don't have them with uh, for. I don't really have them for me. Uh, um, and. Um, so potentially we can supply some of the numbers afterwards, but uh, we like I don't really look at numbers kind of country by country basis. We look more at a regional basis. Right. So India, for example, to us is an English speaking country, and um, so we don't really treat it uh, that specially from a P two P perspective. So we don't really collect. Uh, we don't really target specific countries. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, in Nigeria, um, I mean, you mentioned sort of protests and, and things helping. I mean, Nigeria is kind of interesting 
in in that respect. And I I don't know. I mean, how much of a presence does finance have in India, and how have you noticed the impact of the process? Sure, in India, I think we are not the biggest player there. In so Nigeria. globally, we're the biggest player. But if we just cover out our market share for for any one country, we're usually not the biggest player locally um, because they're usually more. Uh, localized uh, solutions uh, uh, available. So um, I think in India there there are a number of local exchanges who who have who are who have more users in India than us. So we don't really target specific countries that way. Um, Nigeria actually has um, fiat gateways that works directly for crypto. So uh, the Nigeria P2P market is actually smaller because the, uh, the, the the traditional financial institutions are willing to work with crypto exchanges directly. Mm. So, uh, but I think Nigeria do uh, probably do see a very strong demand for cryptocurrency right now, given the sort of um, a less stable political situation. Right. Okay. And um, and what about China? Because when you launched um, P2P. Uh, Binance yeah. P2P. I think the China was very much kind of in the the main um, headlines there. So how is yeah. how is it going in China? I think China uh, China's really interesting right now. So uh, China, hundred percent of users use P2P. Uh, so that's the only way to get onto a crypto exchange. Uh, again, in China, we're not the biggest. Um, some of the local players like Huobi and OK uh, OKEX was uh, bigger than us. So um, uh, those guys are much; those guys are much bigger, uh, have a much bigger presence in those areas. Um, but in China, people do use P2P fairly extensive. That's the only way they they, they can um, uh, to acquire crypto. And China actually do have a decent uh, crypto market size. Um, but it's very hard to gauge the exact size of China market because most of the people use VPNs or um, uh, they don't KY, they don't do KYC. So they 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 their peers, non-Chinese users. So it's kind of hard to hard to judge how big that is, but uh, just from like judging by social media, etc., it's a pretty active market. Right. Okay. And how has COVID affected everything? I mean, do you think there's been an impact there? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so COVID, um, I think basically, uh, COVID impacts the global economy uh, quite a lot. COVID caused um, most of the economic activity to stop for a while, and even now, it's kind of most of the economic activity has been slowed, and that prompted U.S. governments and government, and then governments around the world to print a lot of money. Um, that uh, devaluates fiat currencies and push a lot of users into crypto, push a lot of people into cryptocurrency. So I think COVID did definitely play a role. There's probably a secondary role that COVID plays, um, which is uh, when everyone's like staying at home, uh, when people are forced to be stuck at home, they have nothing else to do other than being online. And um, cryptocurrency is a virtual asset. Everything's done online. So when there's more online time, uh, less outdoor time, people prob probably uh, look, look at cryptocurrency more. So people probably, probably spend more time on social media, uh, probably maybe even TikTok, and then also uh, with trading. So I think all of those things do help, um, uh, did help uh, crypto. So um, yeah, I think COVID overall, uh, even though it it it, uh, it it is negative for the world, uh, it is definitely positive for crypto. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Just to backtrack a little bit, I mean, I have a question here about the zero fees, which you kind of touched on before. And just to make yeah. clear, I mean, Binance P two P charges zero fees everywhere. Yes. 
So Binance P2P is zero fees everywhere, and we have made a, a commitment to at least maintain the zero fee until uh, June next year, so June 2021. So um, right now, the uh, the total transaction volume on P2P is really, compared to the spot of futures exchange, is still small. Uh, so even at $4.6 billion, it's probably like two days of trading volume on, uh, on spot. Um, so, um, so that's over a 12 month period for P2P. So we, we felt that it's more important to get to, to make it a, as frictionless a, uh, a, a, a channel for people to enter into crypto as possible. So we want to increase adoption and not charge uh, a heavy commission fee right there. So we want people to come in and uh, to come into the crypto space. So um, that's why we provide the service uh, uh, such as that. And our, also our exchange is a the centralized exchange is actually a decent revenue generator. And we're using that to fund the other business uh, service offerings. Right, okay. And how does that your, compare to your competitors? I mean, do they also charge zero fees? I haven't yet looked into it. Uh, most of them do charge a fee. So um, the other uh, the other players are usually segmented. Um, so most of the, um, uh, for example, most of the P2P, the largest P2P platforms like local Bitcoin, they, that's their only business. So if they don't charge a fee, then they can't really survive. So they uh, they do charge a fee there. Um, whereas for us, um, we, we we just uh, we we are, we are already a profitable business, and this is a to us this is a still new growing business, and um, we just we just want it to be as frictionless as, friction as, as possible. Mm. And I mean, you have various partners within Binance P2P. I mean, you're um, partnered with Paxful. That is that that's right, isn't it? Uh, yes, we did partner with Paxful. Uh, not 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 so much on P2P, but just as a fiat on ramp. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, how how does it work? I mean, do you, does Paxful look after certain markets, and you look after certain markets, or I mean, how does the relationship work? Uh, so, uh, so it doesn't work quite like that. So we don't we don't have any we don't go exclusive by regions. Uh, we just we just provide our option there. So if some users um, some users will will see the Paxful uh, uh, a link or the channel uh, in certain uh, in certain mostly in certain fiat pairs that we don't support, and um, they will just go to Paxful. And usually we su we supply users with more than one channel as well. So we don't have exclusivity on channels, etc. Uh, we leave the choice to the users, and uh, if the users want to use Paxful, they they're more than free to. If they if they want to use something else that we provide, um, uh, we're more than happy to 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 facilitate that. Mm. Um, I mean, you've seen kickback in certain markets, like like Russia. Um, I mean, how how is how are things looking there, for instance? So Russia is a it's a it's still a developing situation for our, for us. Um, there have been uh, there have been news about a poten potentially um, uh, uh, what well, there's been news about buying Bitcoin uh, or taxing the, uh, the, the 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 ownership of Bitcoin etc. Uh, we still have yet to see how that's going to be implemented. Uh, there was also some news about potentially uh, blocking the Binance.com domain name. Um, and but that has not been implemented yet. So uh, uh, our users from Russia can still reports that they can still access it without any issues. So there's some there's some developing. Um, it, it's a dynamic situation. 
So, and this is to be honest, is a pretty. This is a pretty much same situation all around the world. We are in a very new industry, and the regular. So, like now, now compared to two years ago, we actually have much better regulatory clarity. Um, two years ago, like nobody knows what what they're supposed to do, not supposed to do. Like there was just no regulatory clarity. And so people just do whatever they think uh, is the uh, is the is the uh, is the right thing to do. Um, but today there's more clarity. But um, today I think we are kind of in a situation where uh, most of the first iteration regulations are likely going to be overly strict restrictive, uh, because the uh, the most natural thing for regulators uh, to do is to borrow the traditional banking regulations and apply them to like um, apply them to crypto. Um, but then uh, over time, they will uh, understand that crypto works differently. I, people can just transfer value on the blockchain without a central party involved. So but just by regulating the central party, uh, everybody goes to, goes to P2P or direct on-chain on -chain or DeFi exchanges. So I think over time, the, the regulations will relax a little bit. But I think we're still at the very early stage where uh, we are starting to get more regulatory cl clarity. That's positive. But the negative side of it is most of the regulations are too too strict. Right. Okay. <laughs> and so, I mean, what particular markets do you praise for the, the, the what jurisdictions do you believe are easier to work for at the moment? Um, I think a number of the smaller economies, especially some of the island countries like Singapore, um, like Bermuda, um, uh, even Jersey. Um, so a, a lot of this uh, uh, and Malta. So even a lot, many of the smaller uh, com uh, um, countries that um, they are just faster in adopting new regulations or being more open to uh, to innovation. Um, I think they have a number of advantages that larger countries uh, actually really don't have. Uh, with a smaller uh, country, you have a smaller government, so it's less people, less government bodies, um, uh, less different, less agencies to debate with, less people to debate. And they, uh, so uh, they make decisions quicker. And also with a smaller country, um, you can make very relaxed rules and you can judge on uh, a case-by-case basis. So you can say, look, uh, this project, so they may, they may only have a dozen projects going on at any given time. They can look at each one in detail and talk to them one by one. Whereas if you look at a big country like China or the US, if you make a rule that anything goes, um, then really anything goes. You can get a lot of scammers and a lot of flusters and you don't really have the capacity to look at projects on case by case basis. So the smaller countries do, smaller boats do turn faster. So they do have an advantage there. So that's kind of what we're seeing in the crypto space as well. So some of the smaller countries really uh, are moving faster. So um, yeah, and for example, even Japan uh, is not, a, not such a small country by population. They, they, they legally recognize Bitcoin as a currency uh, as early as 2018. So, but um, but Japan is fairly is fairly conservative, and their 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 regulations are pretty strict pretty strict as well, unfortunately. Okay. So, do you think that the whole kind of blockchain island dream? I mean, I'm not talking specifically about Malta, um, but do you think that the the blockchain island concept is still a possibility? Then that the whole thing will really kick off in one of these places. Um, I absolutely I absolutely think so. I think whoever adopts uh, a a favorable set of regulations that encourage innovation um, and uh, not get into trouble with uh, traditional financial regulators are probably going to have a huge leg in terms of um, uh, uh, improve, improve financial uh, financial industry and then in turn the economy overall. 
and also uh, they will probably attract a lot of the businesses, uh, blockchain businesses, because blockchain businesses are relatively global anyway. So um, it's quite easy to relocate to, to a different place. And most of the blockchain um, uh, projects are uh, done by entrepreneurs and, uh, 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 and even the people working on those projects are probably early adopters. So they're usually quite happy to move to a different country, et cetera. So I think um, they will be a significant financial advantage uh, for countries who adopt favorable regulations. And also, um, if we look at the 2017 boom, that's, that's really caused by blockchain fundraising, which I still think is a killer app, even though ICOs kind of got a bad name. But with blockchain businesses, you can raise money globally. Um, and there are certain countries you probably have to have, you have to probably have to bar, but you, know, you can like you can issue a project and raise money globally for your project. And if you if you happen to be based in one of the sort of favorable countries, uh, those small island countries may actually be able to uh, uh, attract source of investments from globally uh, very easily. So that's a huge huge advantage. So um, I do think that uh, um, whoever's going to have uh, the smaller islands having more favorable regulations are going to have a pretty significant advantage uh, economically. Right. Okay. But I mean, Binance has, has pulled back from Malta and Jersey. Is that right? So, so we okay. So yeah. So uh, we didn't really pull back from anywhere. Uh, so we we uh, we still have a, a we still have a, a outsourced um, customer service center in Malta. So that uh, that's a partner that we're working with, and uh, Malta has never issued a license. So nothing's really changed. So it wasn't like Malta issued us a license and then we uh, we, we did uh, or issued anybody a license and we didn't get it. Uh, we also didn't backtrack from anything, so we're still on friendly terms with uh, with them. Um, so uh, Jersey is a different situation. So we uh, we we launched Binance Jersey fairly early on. It's it's one of the first uh, fiat exchanges we launched. So it's one of the early fiat experiments. Um, I think we launched that in 2018. Um, and then over the last year or so, we actually added direct uh, fiat deposits to Binance.com, including SEPA bank transfers, in, uh, so fast bank transfers in, in, in Europe. Um, and those features are very redundant to, uh, to, to the features that Binance Jersey provides. And as a result, most people still use Binance.com. Uh, uh, Binance Jersey had just has very little users and the features are already duplicated. So we, we thought there was no point in maintaining a separate exchange. So we, uh, we wind that down. We also have a similar situation in Binance Uganda. Binance Uganda is also one of the early um, ex uh, uh, um, uh, uh, independent exchanges we set up in Africa. But again, um, that feature, all the features that Binance Uganda provides is now covered by Binance.com together with our fiat channel partners. So there's no, uh, and there's very minimal number of users on there. So it's not, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense for us to maintain two platforms. Uh, it's very cost, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a loss center for us because it's not generating enough money to be profitable. And everybody uses Binance.com anyway. So um, we, so those are very, those are very just direct, uh, uh, simple business experiments uh, and they no longer make business sense to sustain and no, and no users are getting hurt. Um, uh, uh, if you have Uganda shillings, uh, fiat, uh, fiat currency, you can use that on Binance.com directly now. So uh, there's no loss of features. So we, we are uh, consolidating a number of those uh, areas. And um, 
Um, so, th uh, so that's not, uh, so some people did misinterpret that as maybe we got into trouble with a regulator locally or something, and that's not the case. So, uh, we, do, uh, so uh, we do have good relationships with regulators in both areas that we're, we, we haven't exchanged winding down. Oh. But it's just a business, uh, it's just a business decision. Sure, okay. So um, can you give me a tip as to sort of where um, Binance might be expanding next? Because you're talking about favorable regulatory, regulatory places and, you know, I mean, so where is the next big spot, really? So, yeah, so Binance is actually quite big now. We don't really have a, we don't really choose uh, where to expand. Um, we have users everywhere, like uh, in 180 different countries globally, and the Binance brand is fairly well known globally. So we are we are working uh, closely with uh, almost with regulators in almost every country that we can. So we established Binance US, uh, which is a fully independent, fully regulated, fully compliant entity in the US, servicing US citizens which is something that we couldn't do before. Uh, so Binance US is actually ran by our partner, uh, BAM, uh, uh, BAM Trading Services in the US. Um, we are establishing uh, local, uh, regula regulated entities in a number of jurisdictions that we have uh, uh, relatively uh, 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 positive discussions with, with regulators, and we're talking with almost everybody uh, else as well. So from our perspective, we don't, really we, don't, we don't have the luxury of choosing just one jurisdiction. Um, so we try to work with everybody, and uh, we have a pretty large team as well. So now I don't, I don't get involved myself in those discussions, but we have a pretty large team that works on uh, multiple fiat partners, multiple jurisdictions. I do see some of the, uh, we also work in some regions, like we work in the regions like, okay, North America, we have, uh, we have, we have Binance.us. Uh, we established Binance.uk. Uh, it hasn't fully launched. Uh, we uh, we we have a decent presence in, in Europe. We have a, a licensed partner uh, in, in Germany, uh, which is also one of the one of the strongly regulated uh, uh, areas. And um, so we have all of those established. Um, in, uh, uh, there are there some there's some in addition to those established markets, there are other markets other people may not be paying too much attention to, but we are, like Africa, Latin, Latin America. All of those are much smaller economies. Uh, so from a, a return perspective, from our perspective, they are small. But from a population perspective, we think they're, uh, uh, they're, they're quite large and we want to service them. And uh, so uh, those are sort of early experiments. Uh, there may be some failures, um, but we'll see. Uh, so we are we are kind of we are kind of uh, uh, everywhere. So, yeah. You must have an amazing grasp on geography and political um, situations all uh, all over the place, or sort of the financial landscape. So I actually don't, honestly, I actually don't, I'm not an expert uh, in that area. So we, re we rely very, very heavily on our local partners uh, and local teams. So they would, they would really advise, say, uh, should we do this or that in, in, in any given country? Should we push more P2P or should we get a bank partner? Uh, or should we uh, should we do this or that? So uh, we uh, so we 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 are really the technology provider in a sense. So we have the platform, we have the product, uh, we we know we know how to secure our platform. So this is the technical stuff we do well. Mm. Um, the local strategy is really up to our partners. So that's kind of the stance we have taken. So I think it's 
it's, it's basically impossible for any one person to understand 180 different countries, regulations, markets, uh, culture. Um, so but, um, at least we, we uh, I think at least we recognize that we don't know that. Mm -hmm. So we kind of rely on our partners. So that, that kind of, it makes us look like we're everywhere uh, doing relatively okay in most places. Um, there are some markets which we have difficulties with, um, mostly on the culture perspective, but uh, we, we generally just rely on our partners. Right, okay. Can you tell me who your partner is in Germany? You said you had a licensed partner. Yeah, so we have a partner called CM Equity. So it's a CM on, uh, dash equity. So they are a, I believe, uh, they are a Baffin, um, uh, a licensed entity. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's 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 my understanding of it. Mm. So they they they're fully licensed to provide a spot, um, uh, to provide spot uh, futures, crypto trading, etc. So um, that's the partner we're working with in Germany. It's it's uh, this information is public. Okay. There's a press release about it. Yeah. Great. Okay. I mean, I'd like to just go in a little bit more into Europe and your plans there and then in the US, if that's okay. Um, mm. So in in Europe, I mean, Germany has these new laws and in the UK as well, the recent decision by the um, about sort of derivative trading. I mean, how is that all yeah. affecting you? And I noticed that Tina Baker-Taylor is, is leaving. So what's the plan for? for okay, sure. So I think um, in Germany, we're, we're relying very heavily on our partners for full comp uh, Germany uh, uh, and Europe in general and uh, North America in general. Uh, most all of those are relatively established uh, financial economies. So um, no, uh, there's very fairly mature regulations in the traditional industry. Um, so that's kind of a reference point where most people are kind of looking at. Uh, and more recently, there are new uh, clear crypto regulations. So Germany is pretty positive. They allow banks to sell crypto directly uh, to users. They are, so they're, they're allowing traditional financial institutions to service crypto to users. So um, we're kind of following that approach. And we have, um, so we typically rely on our local partners. They typically rely on local uh, uh, law, law firms who specialize in this area. So um, that's a pr uh, so to us, this is a great situation where there's, 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 there's higher clarity and we know what we can or cannot do. Um, there are some restrictions. Uh, there are always some res restrictions in, when, when we're talking about regulations. Um, so uh, a certain level of KYC, certain level of ML, different type of tools we have to use, et cetera. So we're getting those kind of requests request uh, from our partners and we are implementing those technologies and those approaches. Um, recently, there's, um, uh, I think UK, uh, my understanding is the UK is now going to want to restrict der derivatives trading starting next year. So um, my understanding is our team's looking at it uh, to see what, kind of, what type of restrictions we need to apply on our side, et cetera. So, um, and so it, it's, it's just a normal process of, okay, there's new, uh, as, as soon as a new set of rules are coming out, we, we, get, we get local experts to tell us what the, what the rules are. And then we try to see uh, how, what, what changes do we need to make. Um, with regarding to Tina, um, we have 1,500 people now, so somebody leaving is pretty normal. So, uh, so it's not it's um, just because somebody leaves. Uh, we have like I don't know three to five people leaving uh, every week or every month or so. Uh, I actually don't know how frequent, but uh, it it, uh, it just happens. So um, I think um, I actually don't know her uh, specific situation. Um, but she may have she may have got a better offer elsewhere. Binance don't pay our people. We don't pay our people that highly. Mm. We pay them well, but we don't we don't really compete on salary. Uh, so different people have different choices. They have different reasons. I think uh, 
Uh, Tina, I do know Tina left on very good terms. Uh, we are, uh, there's no fallout, there's no issues, and we wish her well. Uh, she's a very strong, um, she's a very uh, strong person, a strong professional, uh, uh, strong professional. So um, I think uh, we, we don't have any grudges with her. We, we're not mad at her. She, I don't think she's mad at us. Um, so it's just that sometimes people leave, um, um, people join a different team. So mm -hmm. we wish her luck. Um, that's pretty much it, really. I don't really, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't know of any issues there. Mm. Okay, so you're watching mm. the situation basically in Europe and making plans. Um, so let's yeah. move on to Binance US. It's a year since since it was launched. Um, yeah. What's the progress been? How's it going? So Binance US is growing steadily. It's growing quite nicely, to be honest, but it's slow. Um, so in the US. Um, um, uh, my again, this is my personal interpretation of the situation. Um, I think Catherine probably can give you a much more detailed. Um, Catherine Cooley, our uh, the Binance US CEO, can give you a much better um, uh, detailed information. Mm. But uh, my personal understanding is, in the US, it just takes a long time to launch a cryptocurrency exchange. Um, there's like uh, there's 48 states that you have to get licenses for, and each license takes I don't know months or years. Um, and so, and it's a it's a fairly expensive process. So uh, you get got to hire lawyers. I I believe the number I was told, uh, very sort of ballpark, roughly costs about half a million dollars per state. We uh, just just going through through the process like this includes legal. I assume this includes legal fees and other other things, not just price you have to pay to to a regulate to like a, a to a to a regulate to a regulator office. And um, so if you factor like 48 states, that's like 24 million US dollars just to get started. Uh, and it takes multiple years to get those licenses. And so um, today, uh, I think the, uh, the, my understanding of the Binance US teams, they have been progressing very relatively fast. Um, they got, uh, they, they're able to service 40 states already in the US, um, and including big states like for Florida. So um, they they actually got uh, most of the license pretty quickly, but they're still they're still working on ten more licenses uh, before they can turn those on. So things are going um, as anything that when you apply for license, things things always feel much slower. So it's, uh, uh, but looking back, looking at forty states in a year is actually already really really fast. So it's one of those situations where um, the uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 matureness of the regulatory framework actually makes the startup uh, makes the startup cost uh, both in, in 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 money and also in time quite a bit higher. So, but um, it is uh, uh, but it is what it is. Um, luckily for uh, for us uh, and for our partners, we do we do fully intend to go through that, and we have the financial backing to 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 comply with that. We have the human resources to to do that. So hopefully. Um, they will be able to get the uh, the additional ten states and turn everybody on. So, I mean, do you how do you see the the action that was taken against Bitmex? Do you see that as a positive thing for all this? So, uh, yeah, it's very difficult for a third party to comment on what happened there. So, I don't know. Like, uh, there's probably a lot of details that no one knows uh, uh, outside of uh, those two parties, and those two parties uh, they may they may not even have all the all the information uh, on the other side have. So it's very difficult to, to comment on what exactly happened there. But I think as an industry player, we just want to be very cautious when it comes to, uh, we, we want to make sure that we, 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 we cross all the T's and dot all the I's. So we want to be fully compliant and um, uh, uh, we, don't want to, we don't want to step on any 
potential uh, 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 red lines or, uh, uh, or or issues. So um, we, uh, I mean, there's, there's there's not much else we can do other than being fully uh, being very very diligent on the compliance side. So we have a very strong compliance team in the U.S. Um, and uh, th there are local experts uh, on the regulatory front. So we hopefully uh, that we, uh, that will help us avoid uh, any uh, issues. So um, it, it, yeah, I mean it's, um, it's it's very hard for me to tell what's what happened there. Mm. But do you see it as a positive sign to the industry that you know maybe kind of weeding out possible you know transgressors or you know people that are allegedly operating outside the restrictions um, means that the industry within the U.S. will actually move a bit quicker. Um, I think it, it, it could be interpreted interpreted both ways. It it can be interpreted like what you just described, which is uh, uh, which is okay. Look, uh, the regulators are stepping in, so every, everyone be, be fully more compliant. Um, and the but the other the other um, the other the other uh, interpretation interpretation maybe that all the cryptocurrency exchanges are, are at high risk. So um, that's also a poss possible uh, interpretation. So we want to take the most conservative interpretation and just be very careful uh, mm -hmm. and be fully um, double check, triple check all the compliance measures, etc. So uh, this is really the the um, uh, what the Binance US team uh, the 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 the, uh, the US team is doing, and we are providing uh, uh, support on the technology side. So we have whatever systems we have to implement or change. Um, so uh, or improve or add. So we're doing all of that, all of that uh, fairly carefully. So um, yeah. So I think uh, that's just the. Uh, it's just it's just that we, like there's not much else we can do other than being more uh, diligent. And what about Japan? Any update on expansion there? Because you were having a partnership with I think Kakati, and that didn't work out or something. Uh, yeah. So Japan. Uh, so uh, yeah. As I mentioned, I think Japan is one of those. Uh, uh, situations where they do have very clear regulatory uh, guidelines, mm. which is good, um, but their regulatory gui guidelines are relatively restrictive, and it does not make business sense for us. Um, one of the key restrictions that is that is that they have a very clear list of tokens that uh, exchanges can list, and in total, there's about thirty of them. And so, um, and uh, that, that so Binance is a crypto to crypto exchange. We have a large selection of cryptocurrencies. So um, it just doesn't fit our model there. So there, uh, there uh, in Japan, the regulations, the, reg the regulatory guidelines are very much geared towards a fiat to Bitcoin exchange. Mm. So if you only have like I don't know uh, a few currencies, that's uh, that uh, uh, that's the exchange. Um, uh, those, those local exchanges that will do that. Mm. And uh, so we just we just said that um, there is uh, the the guidelines are overly restrictive. It doesn't fit our well, our business doesn't fit in there. So uh, we decided not to pursue. So we discussed with um, Taotao, who is a subsidiary of Yahoo Japan. Yahoo in Japan, Yahoo in the U.S. may have kind of diminished. Yahoo in Japan is still like Google. Mm. Um, they're, they're big. So that's that's the best partner we could ask for if we would have any partner. But unfortunately, uh, we were not able to. Um, the, the regulatory frameworks are still a bit too restrictive. So we decided uh, let's leave that market to the local players. You have plenty more markets by the sound of it. <laughs> okay, um, let's if you can discuss a little bit what's happened with your one of your competitors, OKX. Um, I mean, from what I understand, the, st the strategy of finance and OKX has been very different 
within mm. China. Um, mm. I mean, from what I was reading last time, they were basically sort of just trying to function as if, you know, normally, um, whereas mm. it's hard. So, I mean, can you tell me your interpretation of what, what happened there? With uh, sh sure, I'll try. I typically try not to comment too much on our sort of colleagues or peer, peer exchanges. Um, and I also have a little bit of a history with OKEX. So, um, uh, and, uh, uh, but I think fundamentally, OK, um, uh, OKEX uh, and other, uh, other players, um, they are clearly, um, uh, they, they're much more China focused. So, um, uh, a large percentage of their users are in, are in China, whereas for Binance, our users are spread very evenly globally. So I think strategically, uh, strategy-wise, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of differences. And, um, um, and uh, it, it's clear that the founders um, uh, are still in China and they're actually kind of probably uh, held at a custody in China now. Um, and um, the private key holders are in China based on the public information. So um, I think that's not a very good situation to be in. Uh, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to deny that you're you're not running a crypto ex exchange in China, uh, which you're not supposed to do. So um, it is a so I think that's gathering from the public information. That's as much as I can gather. Um, so we are very different from that. So we we do have a very global presence. We we're not really focused on one country, and. Um, um, yeah, so uh, I think the philosophy is a little bit, uh, uh, the philosophy and the situations, even though we are all crypto exchanges, um, the design and architecture of from the system to the team to, to, to hold up to our mission are very different. So hopefully, um, uh, we're, we're really hoping that situation will, dissolve, uh, will, will, will be resolved uh, amicably so that users' funds are not impacted. Mm. They do have like a, they do have a, well, according to the articles, um, they, they do have a decent, there's a decent amount of uh, user funds that's still tied up. Um, so it's tricky to see how, that, how that's going to play out. Um, uh, I mean, in theory, uh, running exchange is not allowed in China. Having custody of those funds uh, in China, uh, by a Chinese authority, we, like, I don't know what the authority is going to do. So uh, it's going to be a fairly, uh, I do think that it's going to be a relatively prolonged uh, uh, situation. So it's not. I don't think it's going to resolve that quickly, um, because basically, look, if you if you if you the if you the law enforcement in charge in custody, and you suddenly find out whoever you're, you're holding in custody holds two billion dollars worth of bitcoins, um, that's going to add an additional level of complexity uh, on how to resolve that. Um, it's going to take some time. So I don't think that I don't think that case is going to be resolved too quickly. I could be wrong. I'm speculating a little bit. But that's as far as that's as far as as, as, uh, as much as I know on that topic. Mm. But I mean, so it's likely that the founders might be held in custody for a while. Do you think? I mean, is this generally how things work in China without being charged? Um, so China is a China. So people, uh, China do operate very differently. The China mm. law enforcement do, and also the the whole culture uh, do is very different from the Western culture. So this is kind of sometimes difficult for somebody in the U.S. or in the in Europe to understand. Um, in China, freedom of speech is never a thing. Uh, uh, so you could be arrested for things you say. Uh, if you say something negative against the government, etc., so that's uh, that's always understood as a possibility, and that has uh, various other implications. 
So, um, so China do operate very differently from on the legal front. I don't know the details of how long a police can detain you or not, and this probably depends on what type of evidence or what type of cases you you're involved in. So all of those things play 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 a part. And again, from like I don't know any more information than other people. Mm. Um, so uh, we like so I'm an outsider as well. Uh, but yeah. Um, Given 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 the public information so far, I think it's going to be a fairly tricky case to to resolve. Um, and uh, yeah, so I I would say uh, it doesn't look that optimistic. Mm, right. Wow. Okay. Um. So I I, know I don't want to keep you you too long, but I've got a couple of more questions. I mean, um, firstly, your reaction to the PayPal news is it a big hype, or you know, we've seen the price kind of coming down now. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think about it all? Um, I think no, I think it's a hugely positive news, uh, but uh, people often uh, overestimate the impact on price of any positive news. Um, the crypto industry has got has got has got gotten so used to so much hype, so much uh, announcement of announcements, and then nothing delivered, etc. So I think it's definitely a very positive news, but. Um, uh, I think people are underestimating the impact, the over the long-term impact of this positive news, and the uh, people are overestimating the short, over-expecting the short-term impact on price of this news. Uh, just because just because PayPal says they they are now into crypto, it doesn't mean that suddenly all 300 million of their users suddenly you know, are buying crypto like crazy. That's not that's not what's happening. Uh, it's, it's that they announced that they will tiptoe into crypto. They're gonna provided servers that allow people to buy and hold crypto and they can't they don't even allow people to transfer it seems so it's, it's it's really just letting people invest in holding a little bit of crypto and then selling at some point i guess and so it's not going to have a huge immediate impact on price um it's not like oh, and it's going to take some time for all of that 300 million users to learn it uh, as well but it is a definitely a, a, but it's 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 a tip of an iceberg right so it's a long term trend so over time we can probably expect them to be able to offer more features, more functionality, more freedom of using crypto, et cetera. So um, PayPal is a large organization and you can't, we, they're no longer a startup. So we can't expect them to jump uh, uh, with all features, uh, et cetera, in all regions right away. So I think that's gonna take some time, but it's, it's definitely a really positive state, uh, step in the right direction, seeing that such a giant in the traditional financial services industry jumping into cryptocurrencies. So I think uh, we we gotta we gotta look, we gotta understand the situation as it is. Um, so I think over time it's clear that crypto, uh, uh, sorry, uh, PayPal plus other financial services providers are probably gonna all gonna come into crypto, and that's really really good for the space. Uh, so some people, some like old crypto OGs, like they 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 think that any centralized uh, entity touching crypto is bad. But look, um, decentralization is made up of many centralized entities. So I think the more people we have, the more adoption uh, we get, and the more adoption we get, the better. So I think it's a hugely positive news, mm -hmm. and it kind of it puts more and more validation. Uh, so now PayPal's in. So would other set, would other third parties payments providers be more willing to work with crypto? Absolutely. So, um, so I think the long term effects are going to be hugely positive, um, but short term we shouldn't be too. Uh, to, to be honest, Bitcoin price did go up, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to slowly go up. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm 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 very positive on it. Yeah, you sound it. I mean, that's that's great. Um, so just for the last bit, just moving quickly back to Binance um, and the hmm. future, basically. So, um, 
Outside P2P, which looks like it's been very healthy, um, what are the other areas where Binance is making big progress? Uh, sure. I mean, um, so uh, at the same at the same time that we launched P2P is uh, almost a, exactly a year ago, we launched uh, Binance Futures. So for the beginning part of this year and uh, late last year, beginning of this year, Binance Futures grown to be the num now the number one futures platform in the world by most matrices, vol trading volume, active users, etc. So that's quite uh, good. Uh, and um, so that kind of happened at the beginning of the year. And mid to late this year, uh, we really saw the sort of um, DeFi or savings or financial services products taking off. So um, we launched a, uh, the, on the centralized side, we launched Binance uh, uh, liquidity pool, Binance launch pool, Binance super savings. So all of those are sort of interest uh, generating and also liquidity generating products um, that's really taking off um, and together helped by the DeFi. And then on the DeFi side, very luckily, a, a multi-year project, the Binance Smart Chain, came to life um, in in, uh, in August-ish. So, uh, and that's growing really, really healthily. So we're doing somewhere around 25 to 30% of the Ethereum network volume uh, within like a month of launching. So um, all of those things are super, super interesting, super healthy. So I think uh, Binance Smart Chain actually, um, when the team was working on that project, I wasn't, I wasn't that excited and the team didn't sound that excited, but now it's launched. Um, it, 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 I think we got really lucky with the timing where Ethereum network is kind of congested and the high gas, gas fees. And this is an alternative that's 100% compatible to Ethereum, but much lower fees, much higher capacity. So we're seeing adoption taking up really, really quickly. So I think that's really promising and is really exciting. So I'm spending a lot of time on, well, I'm spending some of, quite a lot of my time helping to market that right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's always a lot of different things going on, um, but yeah, all of them are pretty exciting. Mm. So you don't think there's a downturn in interest in DeFi at the moment, as some people are predicting? Oh, uh, I think there is. Um, so I think, um, I think, right, uh, I think this month has been, for DeFi has been cooler than the last month or, or, the, or the month before that. So we, we, we did see a decreasing number of people in the DeFi, um, uh, in, so, sort of interest in DeFi. So, um, and to be honest, I would not be I would not be surprised if there were further decreases. Um, so uh, things uh, things get high, overhyped and things cool down. And sometimes when things cool down, they get overly uh, down as well. So uh, the market always overreacts. Uh, but I think fundamentally, even uh, the core innovations will stay. Um, I think the uh, the ability to loan your money to help people to to use that to provide liquidity and get an interest payment on that. Um, I think that model works. And so I think that will stay long-term. And to be honest, if you look at the ICOs um, or blockchain fundraising, it was a very similar uh, hype uh, and then cool down as well. But even today, uh, some projects stayed. The Binance went through an ICO, we're still around. Uh, and I, I still think blockchain fundraising is a killer app. And that, that aspect, that core aspect of it will stay. Mm -hmm. So um, markets go through hypes and troughs, and, but, it, uh, but we, we're, we're, in the, we're in this industry for the long run. So we'll just keep building. Mm. And do you think these features like, you know, um, the fundraising and um, lending and stuff like that will appeal particularly to kind of emerging markets as well? I mean, how in Africa, for instance? Absolutely. So um, I think uh, it's actually harder to pitch some of these uh, ideas to uh, developing markets, developed markets, because they have a financial, financial industry that works. 
Uh, whereas in Africa, for example, uh, uh, most people cannot get loans. And now, if you uh, 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 now if you convert your fiat into into crypto, you can actually get loans and to do to do other to do other stuff. Um, and uh, most people don't have access to bank accounts. Uh, so I think in Africa, only 11% of the people have bank accounts. And so those 89% uh, can just skip bank accounts, go directly uh, go directly into cryptocurrencies, and which, which is the next financial innovation. So we often, so I often say that let's not bank their own bank. Let's just unbank the bank and get them directly into crypto. <laughs> so, um, so I think in in different markets there are definitely uh, different opportunities. I think if, uh, cryptocurrency provides a huge opportunity for the undeveloped markets. Right. Okay. Um, and finally, um, just to to wind up, I mean, you, you spoke a little bit about this with um, Xu Yao from Decrypt uh, about kind of experimentation. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, that struck me as kind of really interesting that, you know, so I wanted to know how is Binance approaching the next 12 months? I mean, will you continue with this? Because, you know, you're, a lot of the focus is on this experimental approach. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's not really by design. Uh, it's just how we how, how we've grown. Um, so um, the Binance team is number one is geographically dispersed. So when you have a team that's physically uh, distributed, um, that kind of dictates a little bit of your uh, organizational structure. So we have, we have many small teams in, in a lot of different places. And then uh, this uh, team structure, the org, the org structure di dictates software structure. So we don't have one monolithic system developed by thousands of people in one office. So we have little, we have little components uh, developed by each team and they each have APIs that interface with others and they, they're relatively reusable. And we also have a lot of, uh, we, we also have small teams running new businesses. So P2P is one of them, Futures is one of them. And so they are run by relatively independent teams. They do access some of our core common infrastructure, like accounts, and et cetera. Each of them is a service module. So we do run, a, we do have a very decentralized architecture. And with this, um, many people work on many people work on experiments I don't even know about. I only know about them after they're done. So, um, so we don't we don't really sort of we don't, we don't even have the sort of Google twenty percent uh, 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 mechanism where you can spend twenty percent of your time on, on on new projects. I think Binance people just work on whatever they think is best for uh, for the overall ecosystem. And um, so we have a lot of we always have a lot of experiments going on, whether we like it or not. Um, I actually, for me, I actually like think sometimes it may be more efficient for us to focus on like three things instead of like thirty things. Um, but I can't control it that well. Um, I think even if I tell people to stop doing what they're doing, they're probably going to keep doing it anyway. So uh, we do have, uh, so we, so we, 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 we have a structure that encourages us now, and we know how to leverage it. Leverage it. So we do also have a lot of failures, um, but we always have a, a lot of new different uh, different new products in uh, or features in, in development. And uh, most of them work. Uh, some of them don't work. Um, so we just have to see. So we do we do. It's not really I encourage or I, I specifically design for it. It's just that we just we've grown that way. We've grown as a international organization all over the world, and that's how the team that's how the team organized themselves. So you put a if you put fifteen hundred people together like that, uh, virtually uh, all around the world, that this is how they operate. <laughs> so, is there anything that you personally are particularly excited about that might be coming out in the next few months? 
Um, actually, I'm not so sure, to be honest. I have to see when they come out. But right now, I'm spending a lot, a lot of my time on Binance Smart Chain, BSC, and the DeFi, the DeFi projects. So I'm pushing that those areas uh, quite heavily. So um, again, I don't know what's going to be hot in six months or a year. Um, uh, that's that's always a tough. That's always a question. I know that I don't have an answer, but I know that what, if something gets hot, we have the execution ability to catch up. So we, we we will be able to catch up and offer something similar in in those spaces. Hopefully, not be not being obsolete by those innovations. Mm. So it's basically move fast. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, I I don't I don't believe in predictions or or, or predictive uh, abilities or uh, even like very smart strategy. I, I I believe like very very heavily in execution. Uh, once something takes off or, or started showing a trend, we should we should just be able to execute or offer similar services or even better services. So that's kind of uh, how I, I view the business world. Okay, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, All right, thank you so much. Quite yeah. a lot of space. Can I possibly take a quick picture? I promise not to make it green this time. Go for it. <laughs> okay, fantastic. All right. Thank you, thank so, you so much, much. Adriana.